There's a children's story in the Philippines that I would like to share to you today. One day there was a turtle and a monkey who was walking, who were walking beside the river, and they found a banana tree floating in the water. And so the two of them took the banana tree, and then they see that they saw that the banana tree is so big, so green, and so tall. And um, it's, it looks like that it was taken out or uprooted by a storm. And so they take it and they divided it among themselves. The monkey took for himself the upper part of the tree thinking that because it was so green and has so uh, many leaves that it would grow quicker. Uh, but the turtle took for himself the lower part of the tree with, which looks ugly although it has roots. And he planted it. And then after so many days, they met again, and they asked one another, How is it going with your banana tree? Now, who do you think has the better answer? Of course, the turtle, right? Because he took the lower part that has roots in it. The moral lesson of this story is uh, quite ni not nice among our children because it's just teaching them to be smarter and to be wiser, uh, more than their friends so that they won't be fooled by another person and I think this moral lesson is not good for our young children to teach them because it does not reflect a godly principle but I have a better lesson for us to take from this story today our Christian life begins when we believe the Lord Jesus Christ and that is the same thing that happens when you plant a banana tree and taking its nutrients from the root just like a banana tree that takes nutrients from the root, we take our life from our roots, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the Christian life is like a tree that grows. From faith that we receive from God, it continues in our growth of holiness day by day until we see our Lord Jesus Christ face to face. And we call this sanctification. Christians are being sanctified and made holy as long as we are here in this world. And while it's true that our salvation depends entirely on the grace of God, it is also true that without the fruit of righteousness, our faith stands in question. Did we really believe the good news of Jesus Christ? And on the day where everyone stands on the judgment court of the Lord, that question will be profoundly answered. Will my faith look like that tree that is planted in Psalms 1? A tree that is planted beside the flowing streams that bear fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither? Or will my faith look like the tree that was described by Jesus in Matthew 7, 19? Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. My dear brothers, salvation from God expects a life of godliness. Sadly, however, the standard of holy living among the many Christian circles today has been painfully low. And many Christians do not realize that efforts of holiness are the proof that they really understand and adorn the doctrines of God. The doctrines of God that they hear and learn every Sunday in 
each sermon. These rea- realities are actually evident by the complaints that we hear among the worldly people surrounding us and charging us. They are saying Christians are not so good-natured as those who do not profess Christianity. Or sometimes they say, you know what, my office mate, our office mate goes to Christian church every Sunday, but he has a bad temper. There is a great need for believers today to understand the importance of sanctification in the life of the believers. And to this same need is why Peter wrote to remind these Christians. But I want to clarify that whenever I talk or whenever I say Christians in our sermon today, I do not pertain to those who are born in a Christian religion. I pertain to those who believe the good news of Jesus and professed it publicly by their baptism. Because this letter was written by Peter to those who believe in the good news of Jesus. And Peter in this letter wants to stir up their faith. Peter said in verse 13 of our passage that as long as he is alive, he will remind them. And then on verse 15 of our passage, he said that he will make every effort so that they will be able to recall these things even when he is long gone, when he is dead. And then on the last chapter of our, uh, our book, Second Peter, Peter said that, in his, that his, this is his second letter to steer them up on their faith by way of reminder. So do you see what's happening here? Can you feel the weight that Peter is given uh, to, the, to, to this Christian as a reminder? Did you feel this way that sanctification is important in the life of the believers? Today, I want you to feel this way by explaining that growing in holiness should be the pattern of Christian life. I will repeat that. Growing in holiness should be the pattern of Christian life. And I will try to explain it into three points. Number one, growth in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Growth in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Number two, growth in efforts of godliness. Growth in efforts of godliness. And number three, never outgrowing need for reminders to for reminder to persevere in holiness. Never outgrowing need for reminders to persevere in holiness. So let's go to the first point, growth in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And read with me 2 Peter chapter 1, 1 to 4. Simeon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received an, a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By these He has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. And for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with, uh, with goodness. Oh, sorry, we just end with verse 4. We will continue with verse 5 later. Why do you think is Peter so concerned 
for these Christians to be stirred up in their faith. If we look ahead in chapter 2, we will learn that Peter is going to tell them that false teachers are going to come. And so Peter dedicated most of his explanation in chapter 2 on how these false teachers are going to be identified. Peter told them in verse 1 that they will bring in destructive heresies and even denying the Lord Jesus as the Redeemer. And Peter then described the fruit of their lives following on. Peter said in verse 13, they are drunk during the daylight. Verse 14, they are adulterous and have greedy hearts. And verse 18, they are boastful. And about their teaching, you will read in verse 19 that they promise freedom, but they are slaves of corruption. And then Peter said in chapter 3, verse 3 to 4, that in the last days, scoffers will come and make fun of the Lord's promise, saying, where is his promised return? And they will ridicule the believer's effort for godliness by deliberately overlooking God's word they will say, you know, ever since the prophets sleep or ever since our ancestors uh, slept, they, all things continue as they have been since the beginning of creation. Nothing changed. So brothers and sisters, imagine if Peter did not write or wrote this letter to these Christians. What do you think would happen to their faith when the, these false teachers arrive? They will be vulnerable uh, to the false teachings. They might give up their efforts for holy living. And worse, they might be like these false teachers denying the Lord Jesus Christ as their Redeemer. And these things are likely to happen to them. That is why Peter wrote this letter, to steer them up in their faith. Even though they already know, they are establishing the truth that they have in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, this is the same reminder that we need today. The messages of those scoffers still echoes until today among those people whom we know that does not believe in Jesus. They are saying, where is his promised return? Where is your, when is your Lord coming back? Ever since the apostles died, all things continue as they were. These people will say, you know what, let's just eat, drink, and be merry. For what is life if we will not spend it to our earthly joy? And so, brothers and sisters, we need this reminder to draw strength from the source of our holiness, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to know that we need to grow in our knowledge of Him. What does growth in the knowledge of Jesus Christ mean? There are several keywords that Peter tells from verse 1 to 4. We will see that Peter tells that these Christians have faith equal, equals to the apostles. We will see that his divine power has given everything required for life and godliness. And then we will see that great and great, uh, precious promises are in Jesus. And so let's look at this one by one. And the faith that they receive equals to the apostles. Now, is this faith, is 
the kind of faith to perform signs and wonders? Like when Peter healed the lame beggar in Acts chapter 3? Or is this faith about the power to heal whenever Peter's shadow falls on sick people on Acts 5, uh, verse 16? Is this faith pertaining to the supernatural ability of Peter and John when they were able to escape from prison on Acts chapter 4? Well, surely if this is the faith that Peter was talking about, then this is an amazing faith, isn't it? But Peter wants them to know that the faith they receive is more than that. Peter tells us that the faith given to these Christians is a faith through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. If these Christians are to live a holy life, their primary need, first and foremost, is to be declared righteous by God. Now, the question is, are they righteous? Are they qualified? The answer is no. They are never qualified because everyone is born in sin. And even the scripture testifies that no one is righteous. No one, not even one. We can see this in Psalms 14, 1-3 which is mentioned when Paul was preaching to the Romans or sending letter to the, Rome, to the Romans. And you can read that on Romans chapter 3, verse 10. No one is righteous, not even one. Or just look to our own experiences. We promise not to do the sin that we committed yesterday, only to finish our day-to-day full of progress. Why did I fall to the same temptation that I had yesterday? That is why Peter in verse 3 points them to the saving righteousness of God, who is no other than Jesus Christ. Because only Jesus Christ was able to live a, a life of perfect righteousness to the glory of God. All the rest of human beings except Him are disqualified in living a perfect holy life. And so Peter is saying to us, you need the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now let's see what Peter is trying to say on verse 2. On verse 2, Peter prayed that God's grace and peace multiply to them. By praying this, It places everyone to be under the mercy of God, to be under His grace, to receive grace and peace. Because only by virtue of Christ's death can the penalty of our sin be paid. By the death of Jesus Christ, no more wrath remains for those whose sins are washed away by His blood. And therefore, It brought peace between God and man. And so, we can see here that Peter is talking about that to believe is to be declared righteous by God's grace. That is what Peter is talking about, the faith that they have, which is same as the apostles. 
brothers and sisters, this is the faith that we have equal to the apostles that God gives through the knowledge of Jesus, our God and Savior. When you know Jesus, you will have this kind of faith. So my dear friends, try to ask this question to yourself today. Am I trying to live a righteous life by my own efforts? Have I ignored the grace and peace of God available for anyone through Jesus Christ? Did I repent from my sin? Do I believe that I need the faith that God freely gives? The same faith that Peter had? If not, I encourage you today to believe this good news and to receive this wonderful promise of God. He gives faith, He gives grace, and He gives peace. And that is only through His Son, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The knowledge of Him is what we need. Now let's see what He is saying on verse 3. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. If there's someone to be the source of everything that we need for life and godliness, who would that be? That would be God. But here, Peter pertains to Jesus as God. He, has, he is divine. And he has the power. And we learn not only from, from Peter, but from many scripture references that Jesus is God. A while ago, Pastor, Pastor uh, Jesse was teaching us about that. John chapter 1, verse 1. That the Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14, the Word became flesh, and he dwelt. That word is Jesus Christ. He is God. And so if Jesus is God, He has the power to give everything that is required for life and godliness. He has given us His word. He has given us everything that we need. He has given us His spirit to make us understand His word. So that we can live a holy life. He has given us the church. The church manifests His glory and power through the gospel that, pro that, has, that is being proclaimed by the church here on earth. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And Peter also, uh, also said that Jesus called us by His own glory and goodness. What does this mean? It means that we can place our whole hope, our whole trust, our confidence in Jesus because He is the God who called us and elected us unto salvation even before time began. Brothers and sisters, the knowledge of Him is the source of our holiness. And so, brothers and sisters, are you continuing in your knowledge of Jesus Christ? How do we fill up ourselves with the knowledge of Him? Well, we have the Word of God. Let's read it. 
Read the Bible. Read Genesis and learn that Jesus is among the three persons in one God who created everything by the power of His Word. Read the book of Romans and see that Jesus is the power of God unto our salvation. Read the Gospel of Mark and see that Jesus claims in every places of Mark that He is God and that He is the Savior of God's people. And then read with God's people. Read with the church. Read, read with one another. He has given us the church to know Him more. And then pray to the Holy Spirit to give us understanding that we might grow in our knowledge of Him. And what else did Peter said In verse 4, By these He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. Well, this passage is very instrumental why Peter is writing this letter to these Christians. Because the challenge that they are going to face is about the false teachings that false teachers are going to teach on the time that will be coming. They will be um, trying to revoke or trying to uh, mislead them with the assurance of their, their assurance of life to come. About how they will be able to escape the corruption that is in the world because of sin. The world decays, our body decays, that's a proof of the corruption. The leaves fall down and decompose, we die and return to the dust. And what is the world's answer and what is this false teaching teachers gonna corrupt them? They will try to influence them to live a life without God, to be drunk during the daylight, to delight in whatever pleasure their body can find, and to do whatever their eye pleases. And in order for us to be not persuaded by this corrupted reasoning, we need to look on these promises that we have in Jesus. We need to remind ourselves that we have a dwelling place with God in His kingdom. But the problem that all human beings have is that God is holy and we are not holy. His holiness does not permit anyone who doesn't share His nature of holiness. So the question that needs to be answered is how are sinful men going to enter God's holy and righteous kingdom. How? Brothers and sisters, Peter assures these believers that the word of God assures them that they will share in the divine nature of Jesus. What does that mean? Are they going to become like God? No. It is that when they see Jesus face to face, they will be like Jesus. Peter said, actually that they are already partakers of the divine nature and paul agrees with this in romans chapter 6 verse 5 he said for if we have been united with him in a death like his we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his and john in first john 3 2 promised us we know that when he appears we will be like him because we will see him just as he is Brothers and sisters, when Jesus returns, 
we shall share in his nature of holiness. We shall be sinless. Isn't that a good promise to hold on? That's a marvelous and great promise that we have as Christians. This is something for us to rejoice. Our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, called us. And we can trust that He is able to fulfill these great and precious promises that are ours in Him. Because we shall be like Him. He is soon coming back. That's why our prayer should be, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Brothers and sisters, our growth in holiness depends on our knowledge of Him, our knowledge of Jesus Christ. Just like that banana tree planted with its roots, our growth needs the source of life. Our source is Jesus Christ. But also, we are a tree that a growth is not complete if we not, do not bear the fruit of holiness. And that's our second point, growth in the efforts of holiness. So read with me in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 to 11. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly aff affection with love. For if you possess these quality, qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Growth in efforts of holiness. Sanctification. In this topic, a lot of people have questions. That's why preachers of the gospel like Paul and Peter and like us, like the pastors here, takes a lot of time to explain why efforts of holiness matter in the life of the believers. Why do we need practical holiness when by virtue of our union with Christ by faith, we are already declared holy in Him? And what does it look like to live a life of holiness? These are the two questions that we will try to answer with what Peter said in these verses. The two things that I want you to see here is that because they will be useful in God's kingdom, sanctification matters because they will be useful in God's kingdom, and second, sanctification confirms their calling and election. So let's see the first one. Why does Peter commanded them to take efforts of holiness? So that they will be useful in God's kingdom. Uh, this is answered in verse 8. Verse 8 says that if they possess these qualities in a bounding measure, they will keep you from being useless. It means that to be a Christian is to be useful. And these qualities that they have will help them to be useful in their knowledge of Him. In what ways are they going to be useful? Well, let's see it one by one. 
Peter said, to your faith supply it with goodness. Now, it doesn't mean that you are making the gift of God, which is faith, ineffective if you are trying to be good. To supply faith with goodness means that you are agreeing to what God has already done in you. By faith, you do good things to others even if they don't do uh, good things back to you. And by faith, you are believing that God has been good to you even though you don't deserve it. And by this action, you want that person to experience the goodness of God. You are being useful. To your goodness, add knowledge. Well, it doesn't mean that you have to become a Pharisee who memorized the scripture in order for you to obey God. No. You acknowledge that the knowledge of God is unending. It is incomprehensible. You are agreeing that God has shown you grace by revealing himself to you by his word, by the power of the Spirit. You are agreeing that God is good and your knowledge of him is for your good and for the good of others. You are being useful in your knowledge of him. To your knowledge, supplement it with self-control. It doesn't mean that in order for God to save you, you should become like the monks separated from the world. It means that by self-control, you are agreeing to the Holy Spirit that cleanses you with the sanctifying or the cleansing power of God's Word. You become useful because you can help others in putting sin to death. To self-control, supply it with endurance. Uh, believers are called to endure until the end. It means you are agreeing to the sovereignty of God over all circumstances that you have in life, whether good or bad. And you are encouraging others to persevere even in the midst of affliction. You are trusting God. You are being useful in your knowledge of Him. To endurance godliness, to godliness brotherly affection, to brotherly affection love. All this means that we are to pursue a godly life because of what Christ has done and already done in us. And God will use all these efforts so that you will be able to build up or help in the building up of His kingdom. We are being useful in God's kingdom. That's, that's the first reason. Let me use my personal story so that we will understand what Peter means by this. At one point in my life, I was a farmer. And we have plantations of, uh, plantation of banana trees in the Philippines. In my young age, my grandmother would always bring me to, the, to our farm. And then what we are doing is that when we are there, we are scanning all the trees that are planted. And then at one point, my grandmother stopped in a specific banana tree and she told me to cut it. Now the banana tree was healthy, it doesn't have problem, it is tall and big and has many green leaves, but she told me to cut it. And then I understood later on that in my farming life, 
that a tree that is unfruitful is not only use not only useless but it also takes the nutrients that are supposed to go to those other trees beside it that's why we need to cut it and this is what peter tries or intends to communicate to his readers there are no useless christians in god's kingdom all of god's people in god's kingdom work out their holiness that they already received in Christ Jesus, empowered by God's Spirit, because God uses these qualities to build up His people. If anyone lacks these qualities, Peter said he is blind and short-sighted. And they will live their lives forgetting what God has already done. God has forgiven them from their sins through Jesus Christ. And they will not live their lives holy to God. Now let's look on the second reason why we should make efforts in holiness. Let's look on verse 9 to 11. Um, verse 9 to 11 says that it will confirm their calling and election. It will strengthen them and it will give them assurance in entering God's kingdom because God will richly provide for them the way Isn't this a very great and wonderful assurance for us? These assurance are given to these Christians. That we, our calling and election, are being confirmed when we are living our lives holy to God. Why would we need to confirm our calling and election? Why do we need an assurance that we will never stumble? Why would we need rich provisions from God to enter into God's kingdom? Brothers and sisters, it's because we are still here in this world. Although God's kingdom is already established through the reign of His Son, our King Jesus, we are still waiting for His promised return, where He will finally bring us to our dwelling place, where God will dwell with us. What I said, we should pray, come Lord Jesus, come. And while we are waiting, you know what? The world, the flesh, and the devil will try to wage war against the saints. In this world, we will face sufferings and trials, just like the sufferings in, in, in Peter's time. The sufferings of the Christians in Peter's time. We will experience hardship in life, and that is true. And it will tempt us to doubt the faithfulness of God's word. The flesh will wage war with our own spirit to indulge in the lustful desires of our flesh, to give in to temptations. The devil will seek to steal, kill, and destroy. And all these are true because there are many false teachers around here, around us today, influenced by the deception of the devil. Brothers and sisters, we are not different with these Christians during Peter's time. We are surrounded by false teachers who does not preach the gospel, but instead preach material blessings. We are surrounded by those who do not preach the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ, but instead preach 
a teaching that twists the doctrine of God's mercy, promising eternal life even if you live your life sinful. So brothers and sisters, we need this assurance. We need it to be richly provided for us. That is why we should make efforts of holiness. So brothers and sisters, do good to others. This week, do good to your boss who is mean to you. Do good to your spouse. Love her even if she or he is imperfect. Meet up with the believers even though you are struggling to talk to another people. Continue on putting to, to, to death that sin that entangles you. How? By enriching yourself with God's word. If you are prone to pornography, ask another brother or your pastor to watch over you and make you accountable. Block those websites that tempt you. Install Covenant's, uh, Covenant Eyes application that monitors your activity. Or ask, if you are a sister, ask your sister to watch and pray for you so that you would eliminate your bad temper towards others. Or read your Bible the first thing in the morning. Pray to God. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He may reveal to you God's Word, the meaning of God's Word. Brothers and sisters, we need to increase our efforts of holiness. For in doing this, we will be useful in God's kingdom, and we will be fruitful in our knowledge of Him, and we will confirm our calling and election. The last emphasis that Peter gives us in the last passage that we are going to read is the importance of reminder to persevere in holiness. Let's read 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 to 15. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you know them and are already established in the truth you now have. I think it is right as long as I am this bodily tent to wake you up with a reminder, since I know that I will soon lay aside my tent, as our Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made clear to me. And I will also make every effort so that you are able to recall these things at any time after my departure. Why reminder is important? The first clue that Peter gives us is that he said, even though you know the truth and are establishing them, you need reminders. Just think about the number of sermons that we already heard every Sundays. How many of them can we still remember? We hear the words of wisdom, encouragement, admonition, rebuke, correction through the preaching of God's word provided to us every Sunday. But we, the moment we depart from the worship hall, we forgot them quickly. We are not different from the Christians that Peter was writing this letter during this time, during their time, I mean. That's why Peter wanted them to realize that they will never outgrow the importance of reminding one another to persevere in holiness. And then the second clue that Peter is giving us is in verse 13 to 15. Peter said, 
I know that I will soon lay aside my tent as our Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made clear to me. Peter is saying that he's gonna die soon. And what would you say or do to the person whom you love the most when you know that you are dying? And we often see in the scenarios in different movies that we are watching, for example, a, a rich dying grandfather writes his last will. A father who has not been loving to his family members suddenly changed his attitude and his characters towards his family members. He started to become loving and caring to them when he learns that he has few months to live. Well, Peter in our sermon text seems to see it the most important thing to do before he die to remind these Christians to persevere in holiness. He even promised himself to make efforts too for their sake in verse 15 so that when he is long gone they will remember these things. They will remember his reminder. Brothers and sisters, there is a high significance why we sit under the preaching of God's word, why we do discipleship to one another during discipleship community, why we meet one another uh, to disciple one another. There is an importance in this because we need reminders. That is why we need to do our best so that we will not forget this. How do we do this? How do we make sure that we are not able to forget this very quick? Well, one practical way that we can do is to take notes during Sunday preaching time. And our bulletin has a printed reminder of, what, of the text that is going to preach next Sunday. Let's read that text ahead of time. Meet up with another brother or sisters in the Lord and discuss what is preached today and what will be preached the next Sunday. This is one of the many ways that you are being useful in God's kingdom. Your life example to others help us to build God's kingdom. We need these reminders and we never run out our need of it. When we think that we are already familiar with the doctrines of God, that is where the danger lies. When familiarity of the grand narrative of the Bible seems not to excite you anymore, you need to start asking yourself, could there be an, any greater danger than this familiarity? You need reminder. Oftentimes, we hear a talk during the graduation ceremony, and a speaker would say, graduation is a commencement exercise. Brothers and sisters, this is a true statement. It is a commencement. It is the beginning of something. And the moment we think that we graduated on the Bible, thinking it on the other way, that we finish reading the Bible, we are mistakenly putting ourselves into danger when we think that we don't need to read it again. The moment we think that we already know the gospel inside out, we are putting ourselves into danger if we think we don't need to hear and be reminded of it again. We never outgrew our need to be reminded. 
brothers and sisters, our Christian life depends on our growth in holiness. We need to grow in our knowledge of Jesus. We need to grow in our efforts of holiness. We never outgrow our need of reminders to persevere. Like that banana tree that is found in the river, we can't grow our Christian lives without the new life, the forgiven life given by God, by His grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But God intends for us a fruitful and holy life for His glory. That is why growing in holiness should be the pattern of our Christian life. Let us pray.